Hello and welcome to Just Stories. We share inspiring stories of real people leading lives impacted by social justice, advocacy, and service. Here how our guests have used their experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. And remember, it's all about the story, theirs and yours. Just Stories. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Jean, hi. I'm doing okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a little bit tired. I'm, I'm back uh, doing full-time work. I was off. I had a little break uh, for a couple months where I had a chance to experience kind of like a pre-retirement sort of life, although I kept myself busy. So being back at work is good, full-time, but I... Uh, I kind of enjoyed having a little bit more of that flexibility as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. now you're working out all sorts of muscles and sleeping patterns that you haven't worked in a while. So it's yeah. all about adjustment. Get that adjustment. I see. We don't do too many. That's a chiropraxy. I'm PT. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, you know, same well, idea. Same idea. How about you? How are things going with you? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Uh, I'm loving the... Uh, the weather and just getting outside and um, spring is right around the corner. I'm really happy. Yeah, it feels good. We've, we've needed it. So um, tell us who we have today, please introduce. Sure. Yeah. We have uh, Father Corey Bros today and uh, Father Corey and I actually met a couple of years ago through uh, Boy Scout, uh, Eagle Scout project. I'm still involved with the Boy Scouts and uh, I enjoy that. And one of the scouts in our troop was doing an Eagle Scout project uh, with the organization that Father Corey is, is involved with. So let me tell you a little bit about, about Father Corey. Um, he's a member of the Clerics of St. Viator, a religious order of brothers, priests, and lay associates. He joined the order in 1987 and served since then as a religious educator, classroom teacher, and high school administrator. Most recently, he served as president of St. Byron High School in Arlington Heights uh, from 2013 to 2016. He left with support from the Victorians to work full-time, and that work is an advocate for immigrant rights and also interfaith bridge building. Uh, with regard to the interfaith bridge building, he co-founded the Children of Abraham Coalition in, back in 2010 to counter the increasing faith-based prejudice that he was seeing in our nation, in our world. And that agency is governed uh, by a board of Muslim, Jewish, and Christian leaders, um, one third of them high school and college age. Um, so that's exciting work, uh, but we'll be hearing more from Father Corey today in uh, uh, relationship to his work with a place called Viator House. Uh, he currently is the executive director of Viator House of Hospitality and that's a Northwest suburban interfaith program that provides a home and services for up to 25 young men. And these men are 18 to 23 years old and they've fled their homelands uh, and are seeking asylum in the US. They have no family to live with and they um, are awaiting legal proceedings. So Viator House provides, provides a place for them during that cru crucial time in their lives. So Father Corey, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, thank you for being with us. Hi, Father Corey. Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored. Uh, I'm a big fan of your faith community. Our Savior Lutheran is a, uh, a really bright spot in the suburbs for God's social justice work. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pleased to be a part of that, that faith community. So thanks for mentioning that. Um, and we're excited to talk to you. We've, we've talked a little bit the other day 
And at that time, you were, you've been in the midst of a few things this last couple of days, and we're going to be hearing more about the good work at Viator House. But tell us just a little bit about the last couple of, what the last couple of days have looked like for you. Well, I, I'm afraid I'll start rambling because uh, I, I am still kind of in the midst of the whirlwind, but in a good way. Uh, I guess I just want to say that Viator House uh, is a little taste of what the world can be like, what a, a little taste of what the world will look like when God's done with it finally. Mm. And I have experienced the, the blessings of that and seeing the ugliness of the world outside of God's reign at the same time these last two days. Mm. So I have, I've traveled to Arizona uh, last Sunday because we were able with the kind help of an attorney to secure the release of a 19 year old young man from Central America who fled for his life just nearly was killed by cartels and came into the US was apprehended across the border and uh, through the through our um, detention system was placed into an uh, adult detention facility that's really part of a for-profit company that gets paid $130 a night per person to detain immigrants for the federal government. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a podcast of itself and it's a, it's a tragic way to welcome people fleeing for their lives by putting them in a jail cell. So that's part of the ugliness of the world and the brokenness of our system. But I also saw the beauty of the world and how God is going to make it through the work of this young man's attorney, who in the process of doing a know your rights workshop for new, new prisoners, heard his story, realized he is a strong case for asylum, and took on his case. Um, the goal then was to get him out of this prison. He, he was almost killed. Then he made a month-long journey that I don't even know details about, but I imagine his life was at risk during that month as well. But she needed to get him out of that prison um, and worked out uh, through her legal skills a bond hearing, and he was put up for bond. Um, the ugliness then of the world showed itself when the U.S. government demanded and received a $10,000 bond in order to release this young man fleeing after almost dying through a horrendous journey to the U.S. They said, for $10,000, we'll let him out of this horrendous prison. That's our system. Oh. Now, the beauty of the world once again intervened. Um, this attorney, and I don't know how she found it, but she found a fund that is, that is the LGBTQ uh, bond fund. It's a fund established by, the L, by an LGBTQ um, 
nonprofit to, to bond out immigrants and other prisoners of all people. They put down $10,000 Wow! to bond that young man out. So I was there waiting for him in Phoenix and um, the folks at Immigration Customs Enforcement, we know ICE, and at the prison told the attorney when she asked when will he be released, they said, well, we don't know, but we'll just drop him off at the bus station and he'll have to find a way to call you because he won't have a phone. Hmm. So I won't go into all the details, uh, but after waiting for an hour one night to try to make sure that he wasn't dropped off there and lost and alone, he did know who I was and he had received a picture of me. Uh, then going home and sleeping, then the next day going back and waiting three and a half hours, um, he was dropped off finally. Uh, and he didn't have to worry about finding me because I was there waiting for him. So for a moment, this young man's nightmare has, has paused or ended. But it's through the goodness of incredible people that find their way into Vider House and find their way uh, into the lives of particularly people seeking asylum. And so uh, I flew back with him late, late uh, Tuesday night. And he, that day he left a cramped prison cell at 4 a.m. And I'm so pleased to say that he ended the day in a private room that he can lock, surrounded by a community of people committed to walking with him as he goes through his legal proceedings, as he gets some healing for the horrendous violence he's been through and offers him the opportunity to go to school, go to high school, get a GED, learn English. And when we came into Vider House, our staff had already put up signs that said, welcome with his name on it. Oh. So we came in after that horrendously long day, leaving a prison cell, seeing welcome signs with his name on it. And it just, to watch his reaction when he said in Spanish, estoy aquí, in essence, I'm already here, uh, was incredible. Uh, and today, he was already diving into our in-house ESL program. Um, that's been my two days. And then yesterday, I was able to tell a little bit of his story and other stories to uh, Illinois House of Representative Committee. Um, that is beginning to research the possibility of Illinois mandating that immigrants facing deportation have legal representation in those cases. So uh, that's another sign of God's goodness. Uh, the uh, legislate, legislators who see the injustice of a, of a person fleeing asylum, especially for asylum, especially kids mm -hmm. who come to this country and then have no one to protect their rights. But that could change in Illinois uh, if this process continues. That's a long, long, long story. And the problem with priests is that they don't answer questions. They give homilies. So 
I enjoyed that story. Yeah, it was wonderful. I well, really it, it kind of it highlights the the incredible work that that I'm part of. Not that I really lead. I mean, Viderhouse, this this home for young men seeking asylum, who would sit in adult detention centers because they have nowhere to live, where while they wait three, four, five years for their legal proceedings. Hmm. Um, this story really is the story of Brother Michael Gosh. When I was president of St. Vider High School, he was working in immigration and he saw this horrendous tragedy of young people who came to the U.S. border at 16, 17, without adults, without anyone, um, being put into government funded youth immigrant shelters um, and where they try to find any family members. And if the, but if the kids have no family members, they turn 18 then they're, they can't stay in the youth shelter. So on their 18th birthday, they're handcuffed and taken to an adult detention center. So Brother Michael Gosh saw this. And as a Viatorian, he, uh, he said, we need to do something about this. Because we were founded to work with young people in France in the 1830s, especially on the margins. And so when I left St. Vitor High School to commit my life to working with the backing of the Viatorians, uh, on immigrant rights, Michael Gosh, who's a dear friend of mine, said, let's do this. Mm. And so four years ago, this January, Vider House opened its doors. And I get to be part of it because of his vision and because of the initial staff he pulled together. You know, Father Corey, uh, there are a lot of different uh, types of people that might be listening to this uh, this podcast from uh, different walks of life and varying levels of understanding of immigration and understanding of what the word asylum even means and, and who might be, you know, qualify for asylum versus someone who is in a limit uh, and uh, coming to the country as an illegal immigrant. Um, so I wonder if you can speak to um, that briefly. I know you've got some great stories that you're going to share and I, we were really eager to hear those, but I wonder if you could just help us understand a little bit about what it means to be seeking asylum. I will. And at first, though, I need to actually, I don't want to hold up people seeking asylum as somehow more worthy of protection than people who have come without documents to work. Um, and I think it's really important that, that people understand that our immigration system as a whole is horrendously broken and that someone who's trying to raise a f kids in Central America whose family is hungry because climate change has dried up the crops, who cannot come legally to the U.S. to work, even though there are jobs here. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that father or mother or that couple, when they uproot themselves and they come here, they have no other choice as well. Okay. And so uh, I think it's really important that people hold in their hearts the same amount of compassion for undocumented workers as they would have for asylum seekers. But there is a clear difference. There is a clear difference. Asylum, and this is really important. And when people, people say, well, they should follow our laws, um, it's important that they know that after World War II, the Western world realized that we did a horrendous job protecting Jewish refugees. Uh, we, the United States, turned a shipload of Jewish refugees away, sent them back to Europe. Um, because of that, 
the uh, the Allied Powers, as part of the United Nations, set up a refugee and asylum system that the U.S. codified. That means the U.S. made part of its law the right to asylum. So asylum seekers are not refugees. Refugees are people in a outside of the country who the United Nations certifies after investigation as a refugee for resettlement. Then the U.S. welcomes so many refugees each year and they resettle them and they get services right up, upon entering and they have they have status, legal status upon entering. Asylum seeking is much different. Asylum seekers come to our borders, generally to our southwestern borders. And the last year, 50,000 kids, that's 17 to infant, came to our U.S. southwestern border without adults seeking protection. So under our law, they have the right to do that. And at the border, they are interviewed. And under our law, if their fear of persecution is credible, then they are allowed to pursue an asylum claim. And if they can prove eventually that they have a well-founded fear of persecution because of their identity, because of their politics, religion, gender, um, social grouping, then they can win their case, become permanent residents, and eventually citizens. So what's important is that these, the I work with young men who came here as kids. So these kids have the U.S. legal right to make these claims. And then, as you um, indicated the other night when we were on the phone, you said the women are taken care of similarly in another housing called Bethany House? Yeah, I, I'm very... You know, when we started out, we knew that because of many factors, we could not have a co-ed facility. It's not just that they're young adult women and men, but uh, we're men and young women who make this horrendous journey to the U.S. alone are, are probably 90% plus have been sexually assaulted along the way by men. Um, and so... To, to house them in a facility with men their age run by men would not be respectful of their suffering or their identities. So we shared the model with a group of Catholic sisters, uh, several different orders who started six months after us, Bethany House of Hospitality for young women. So we've got a, a picture of the kind of work that you're doing and, and the importance of that work in the midst of some of the ugliness and you're part of the beauty on that side of, I appreciate you sharing both, uh, both the ugliness and the beauty. I, I do remember a couple of years ago, you spoke in, in stories to our, our Boy Scout troop. And that's part of what moved me as I was telling you and Gene the other day that moved me to think about how can we get some of these stories out there it was a little bit of the inspiration behind this podcast, just stories, just hearing from you. And so um, are there any uh, stories that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners that help us to get into the shoes, so to speak, of someone who's coming to our country from a place where they fear for their life? Right. Yeah. No, I think I want to tell you the story of our first participant, because I think 
it not only demonstrates the the tragic nature of the stories, but the inherent goodness and dignity and worth of these young people who are coming to our nations. They're not coming to be taken care of. They are coming as gifts, full of talents. So this young man is 16 in West Africa. Um, his mom doesn't pick him up from school as normal. And so he walks home. When he gets home, he sees military vehicles outside his mom, his family home, and hears screaming. He goes in and soldiers are beating his mother because the family is in the wrong political party. He intervenes and is beaten up and his leg is broken. Um, the soldiers send a clear message. Um, you, 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 your family is on the wrong side and will kill you. He's the oldest son, and so the mother and the father make the most horrendous decision any parent would have to make, and that is to send him away to protect his life. It's the same decision that Jewish parents made in the 30s in Germany. So after this young man heals, uh, and his leg never really fully heals, uh, they take him to the airport, give him some money, and this young man says he never saw his dad cry until that day when his dad took off his watch and gave it to him and said, remember me. The kid, 17, uh, got on a flight to Brazil where a family friend met him and then launched him, pointed him basically towards the United States. That's about 4,000 miles away from the southwestern border. So this 17-year-old from West Africa started a journey that led him on foot, sometimes on bus. Those over many months through pain, suffering, and some good folks till he made it to the southwestern border in California. Along the way, he spent more than a week wandering through the mo what has been called the most deadly jungle in the world, Sedarian Gap. It's a 60 mile long jungle separating South from Central America. I would encourage viewers to Google it on PBS. There's two good 10 minute segments, but it's teeming with migrants as well as cartels as well as deadly animals and there's no road it's just mountainous mud trails so in this jungle this young man uh can't keep up with his group he's he's paid a guide as part of a group and his leg never healed so the rule is you can't keep up we leave you behind so they leave him behind and he prepares to die uh, the next day, a group comes in, passes him, and he's able to keep up. And drinking what they can find in the water in the jungle, sleeping on rocks, eating what they can find, he makes it through that, through that jungle. And then he's just at the southern tip of Central America. 
So eventually he made it to the southwestern border and asked for asylum. Um, he was put into a youth immigrant shelter in, in Chicago. In Chicago, there's roughly around 10 of these shelters funded by the federal government, run by child care agencies. But he has no family to live with. So on his 18th birthday, he was going to be sent to McHenry County Jail which contracts with the federal government to house immigrants in detention. But we heard about him through his lawyer. And we were just getting ready to open Vider House, but we didn't have the facility open yet. But we talked to the priests we, and brothers we live with in the rectory, and we said, you guys, can we host him for a month? He's going to be 18. Otherwise, he's in jail. And again, Another example of the, of the way God wants the world to work, the brothers with whom I live said, of course. So on his 18th birthday, a snowy, cold night in December of 2016, this kid from West Africa gets dropped off and we take him to this rectory and talk about being disoriented. But let me jump ahead. Because of Vider House, because we have case managers helping guys identify their educational, uh, psychological, emotional needs, because we make sure each kid can connect with his faith tradition, whatever that tradition is. Because of that, that young man was able to register in high school, uh, get therapy for the trauma he'd been through, uh, start working graduate high school, and just this last month graduated from Harper College. In the meantime, he worked with me in training young people as in interfaith peacemaking. This young Muslim was part of the leadership crew that I used when we ran interfaith peace camps for middle school students. He also volunteered with me at Feed My Starving Children. And you know what? All the success, all the hard work, his refusal to give up, his desire to give back to this nation, this is all occurring before he has a decision. He's still waiting for a final decision on his case. So that story tells you about the, the character of these young men. Not everyone is a saint, and I'm not trying to, that would be to do them injustice. But the men we work with are incredible examples of character, generally faith as well, um, hard work, and desire to give back. That's an amazing story, Father Corey. And it's just one. We've hosted 70 men from 19 countries. And each of them have has left, left something just as horrendous and have encountered the trauma and near death along the way. And huh. each of them have shown us incredible character and that they're incredible gifts to our nation. It's just an honor to be with them. And I, I'm going to share one more story and then I'll take questions because this is particularly sure. relevant for those who are Christian and listening in this country where too many people are afraid of Muslims. Another one of our young men, a young Muslim from Bangladesh, who now, who now has moved out 
many of our young men, most of them have moved out on their own and are, and are being successful. But this young man early on said to me one day in the car, Father, I don't have anything right now. Uh, my case is, is years away. I can't, I'm not working, but I want to help people. So this young Muslim from Bangladesh said, Father, I've learned that I can help people by donating my blood. Can you please tell me when I can get that opportunity to give my blood for others? And as a Catholic priest, I sat in awe as this 18-year-old Muslim from Bangladesh recited part of our Eucharistic narrative where Jesus says, can I give my blood to you for the life of the world? It's the character of the men I'm dealing with. I'm curious as to um, what the environment, what the atmosphere is like there. Is it a place where there's laughter? Is it a place where there's despair? Is it a place filled with um, um, fears, hopes, um, camaraderie? Tell us a little bit about what uh, what Vider House is like. Uh, well, Vider House, in many ways, if you didn't know that all these young men fled such horrendous uh, tragedies, you wouldn't guess it. It's a house right now of 21 young men from 10 countries, 18 to 22 years old, filled with 18 to 22 year old guys who tease each other, who laugh together, who sometimes get on each other's nerves, who cook together, who play games together, who stare at their phones, who um, who grumble about rules, but then will look out and lift each other up when someone's hurting, who sometimes have tussles, but remarkably give each other incredible space and show each other incredible patience, because I believe they know they've all been through such hard times. So uh, it, it's a place of joy. Uh, it's, it's, and it's filled not just with these men, but our staff is, is international. We have two men on our staff who came here seeking asylum, one from Africa, one from Central America. They understand what the guys have been through. Um, and we're surrounded. We have 20 faith communities who partner with us, churches, mosques, synagogues, and more than 70 volunteers who are Jewish, Muslim, Christian who come as tutors, house assistants, drivers, mentors. And so you throw all this together and you have this incredible international interfaith community of compassion and healing. Indeed, exactly what I said. For me, it's like walking through the gates of heaven um, and seeing what the world will look like when God is finally done. People crossing international boundaries, faith boundaries together in peace and and justice. And what's really important is it's not even that we allow them to practice, but we act. I personally actively engage with each guy soon after he moves in and says, do you have a faith tradition? How can we help you practice it? Do you need a Bible? Do you need a Quran? Do you need to go to mosque? You, there's a Hindu temple down the road because it's part of the healing. As people of faith know, sometimes all we've held on to is that hand of God, whether we call God Dios, El Señor, Allah, or Jesus, 
or Ganesha, which is a uh, incarnation of God in the Hindu uh, tradition. And so, um, and so that what's cool is we celebrate all the major feasts of every faith tradition represented in the house. So our guys are really lucky. They not only get Christmas presents from our volunteers, <laughs> they get presents during the Muslim celebration of Eid al-Fitr. So, um, and then they, and then we had a big party for a Diwali, the, the festival of light that the Hindus celebrate in November. So you're celebrating all the time. Yeah. 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 We try. And you're uh, that's fantastic. Well, with, um, with the description that you've given us and all the food that must be going on there and celebrating going on there, um, would there be room for more volunteers? If somebody's listening to this and they, they hear what you're doing and they catch the vision for, for Viator House or Bethany House, um, is there a way for them to be involved? Yeah, we, we have volunteers helping as tutors. I mean, our guys, this kid, uh, you're going to love it. You're an English teacher. Yes. This kid's first language uh, from West Africa was, uh, his first two languages were French and then his ethnic language is called Fulani. And so we started, he got started in high school because, and in the middle of his junior year and in his English class, they were studying Julius Caesar. So he got to tackle Shakespeare. <laughs> so that kid, that kid studying in his third language doesn't graduate high school and graduate junior college without incredible tutors. And we've had 10 plus guys graduate high school, a few different, several guys now in college. And so we have tutors, we have mentors, we have house assistants, people who come and help out at the house so our staff can run chores. We have some incredible uh, women and men who will just come by on a regular basis and cook with the guys. Although the guys all cook for themselves, but it's still, it's great to have someone in here to cook with you and help you. Uh, there, uh, so there are opportunities to volunteer. And there's also really important opportunities to volunteer not at the house because it's just as important that listeners who are hearing this uh, not only come to support these men in the house, but they work to understand and then advocate for changes in our asylum system so that these men benefit and all the women and children and that are seeking it benefit. So if sure you can tutor a kid in math or English and that's wonderful, but we also need you to be pushing for an asylum system that doesn't detain um, 18 year olds in McHenry County jail that does that provides legal representation for every kid who comes here. So, so volunteering at Vider House can be being in the house, but it can also be calling your Congress people and being educated about what you're pushing for them to do. Uh, Father Corey, uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> are, are there, you know, no, that's really are not there good. Other, you should. Are there any other things no. before we go? Um, anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, just that, uh, you know, God is real. God is working miracles. Um, and I just encourage everyone to be part of part of the miracle of trying to be the answer to the prayers of others, especially young people seeking asylum, because when you try to be answers to their prayers, you'll find that they 
the wisdom and inspiration they share with you is really an answer to your prayers. No, really powerful words. Thank you so much, Father Corey. Thanks for being with us this evening. And that wraps up this episode of Just Stories. We hope you've enjoyed this time and you'll join us again. Just Stories is a partnership with Our Savior's Lutheran Church, an ELCA member church, where all are welcome and we join in God's reconciling work, which prioritizes disenfranchised, vulnerable, and displaced people in our communities and the world. Your hosts are people of Christian faith, and we recognize that God works through many vehicles, including those of differing faith or of no faith. Our guests may or may not be members of Our Savior's Lutheran Church. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend, and please subscribe. Tune in next time for more of Just Stories.